0: This series, in general, is we're asking the Lord to help us know the difference um, between being self-centered and being God-centered, and what does that look like. And so we hope and we do pray that our lives end up being questionable, uh, and not in the often, term, often used term of your life. That's a questionable decision uh, when we make bad choices, but truly uh, what we see all in the New Testament is people, followers of Jesus and their lives being questioned uh, because of the hope that they have uh, in them. And so uh, I'm not sure for you guys, um, but Zeke, when he was about three or four years old, um, have you guys ever seen these, these little motor-powered, like, flashlights? It's like powered by, it's a hand crank type thing. It's kind of cool in a disaster emergency situation. Um, But one of the things, when Zeke was about four years old, and I noticed it right away, is as soon as Zeke would put a flashlight in his hand, he started walking differently. You know how he started walking? And then he'd set the flashlight down and he'd be walking normal again. he'd just walk normal. and then he picked the flashlight up and he was like always like a scooby-doo mystery adventure like this is how you always, you always cross your legs when you walk with a flashlight like this if you' ever noticed you're like and that's exactly what Zeke would do when he had a flashlight in his hand. He was walking differently than when he did not have a flashlight in his hand. And I, 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 I've never forgotten it. It was something that actually marked me. And the difference in the way he was walking as he was holding a flashlight. And I don't know for you guys if you've ever found it difficult to be salt and light. Because I have. I've found it very difficult and confusing to be salt and light. It's tough, because I think you and I as human beings, we're extreme by our nature. There are some of us who go, whoa, 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 way too much in the world. And then there's the hermit Christians who go and live and never interact with anyone else ever again. And there's the the, the, the idea is, and why I say it's so difficult to be salt and light, is because if I know that I'm not supposed to be getting blasted with my friends, I'm not supposed to be getting drunk with those who could care less about Christ, but I'm also not supposed to be standing over here throwing stones at them, because this is how we live. We are people of extreme, we go one way or the other. If I'm not supposed to be entertaining the gossip that people entertain, but I'm not supposed to stand over here and be all mightier than them. I'm holier than them because I do not engage in gossip, at least with them. I engage with gossip with Christians, but not with them. Uh, That's how we do things. We are so extreme. This is why I say being salt and light is tough. Because we are people who don't know where's what and how's and when's and that is why we are in desperate need of the Spirit's leading. He has to lead us because by our nature we will run to one side of the fence or the other. And we have churches and denominations and whole camps of believers built on one side or the other. And so the Spirit leads us in how to do what we just talked about. This questionable life, it's not about you and I and our strength and our ability to put ourselves on a lampstand, or on a table. It's about Jesus saying, I'm telling you why you're here. You're here to be salt and light. I'm putting you on a stand, so I'm not going to put a bucket over you. When I put you on the stand, shine. And here's why you're shining, so that when your life is opened up before everybody else, people will actually go, God is legit. Like, He is who He says He is. Like, if If you can change and be transformed, and I know your past, I know your background, I know what you've done, I know where you've been, and God is gracious enough to meet you and shape you and change you, he can do that in me too. Awesome. Salt and light is tough because it actually goes against everything natural in us. We want to be the meal. We want to be the selfish guy. We want it all for ourselves. And and, and what's crazy about this is in America, we've actually made Jesus about us. We've actually said, Jesus is out for my blessing. i got to stand here, and if I come to church on Sunday, Jesus is going to bless me, and Monday through Saturday, he's going to let me do what I want, and I'm going to add him to my schedule just because he's for me. He's out for me. He's, he's, He's all about me, and he would never say anything that would go against me. We've even added Jesus to the selfish category in our lives. See, salt and light... Is not about my self-serving. Salt and light is, is selfless. When salt and light becomes attractive is when it's selfless, not selfish. And if you're one who's been trying to use Jesus for your own gain, he'll introduce you to the fact you're out for your own gain, for your own good. It is for your good when Jesus reveals that you and I are selfish. And he introduces us to a whole new way of living. So, if it's not about being totally submerged in the world, but it's not about being totally withdrawn from the world, how do we live? Spirit led. And I know for some of you, you may have a hard time with that statement, maybe because of a background you walked in, maybe because you've seen things abused in that world and using those phrases. You're like, I'm not so sure I like that word or that phrasing, but let me just introduce you to the spirit that Jesus promised us, and then we'll talk a little bit more. What did Jesus say of the Holy Spirit? And this is not going to be an in-depth, comprehensive, covering every, every element to the Holy Spirit, but an overview, because what Jesus says matters to those who follow him. And if we can come to an agreement or an understanding about what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, then we can start having a conversation. But as long as we've got our opinions and our thoughts and our background and our narrative and our upbringing, and that's where we're getting our definitions from, it's going to be really hard to talk. But when we let Jesus point out His love and affection for the Holy Spirit and His role in our life, then we can talk. In John chapter 3, Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. In John chapter 6, Jesus said this, The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Jesus said that without the Holy Spirit, you and I won't enter into this new life. All right? Jesus said without the Holy Spirit, you and I can't even walk in a spiritual life. Jesus said, without him, we cannot enter into eternal life. The Holy Spirit is first at work pointing us to Jesus. He uh, he takes the blinders off. He helps us understand that unbelief is what's keeping us from God. The Holy Spirit comes up, shows up, and reveals Jesus. And he invites us in. But where does he work from Once that happens, John chapter 7, Jesus says, Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. So while Jesus was here on earth, the Holy Spirit had not yet come, had not yet been sent, And Jesus is pointing to a time when he will. In John chapter 14, Jesus says it this way, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him, but you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus is saying where the Holy Spirit is going to continue His work, pointing to Jesus. The Holy Spirit will point us to truth. He'll lead us to truth. He will keep us in the truth. He holds us. I've heard many theologians describe the Holy Spirit as the shy member of the Trinity. Not because he's any less God, but because the Holy Spirit, he's like, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Let me remind you about Jesus. Let me show you what Jesus said. Let me show you how he poured all these things out for you. Let me show you and lead you into this truth. That Jesus is the one who is sent by God. In John 14, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. In John 15, but I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. These are Jesus' words on the Holy Spirit, what He's going to do, how He's going to shape us, what He's going to lead us into, what He's going to talk about. And it's Jesus. In the book of Acts, and there are many people who, you know, the book of Acts is called the book of the Acts of the Apostles. There are some who suggest it should be titled the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because it really is the Holy Spirit sending out the men and women who would advance the church and and take the ground, and the gospel being spread, and that's the story of the book of Acts. If you want to know where the church got its start and how it got started, read through the book of Acts. It is an incredible narrative. Of the power of the Holy Spirit. Using people, showing up, filling people up. And in Acts chapter 2, or in Acts chapter 1, as the apostles are standing around asking questions, Jesus gets to the point. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Jesus replied, Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. But you, okay. So there's stuff you don't get to know. Now Jesus is telling, this is what you're going to get. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is not for a show. The Holy Spirit fuels the mission of the kingdom through people. Like you and me. In the book of Acts, you see that the the Holy Spirit fills people up, and you know what they do? They actually speak God's word with boldness. They're not afraid, they don't get afraid of those who could persecute them, torture them, hurt them. The Holy Spirit fills them up so that they'll tell the story. The Holy Spirit leads the apostles to specific places and times to lead people to faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit caused the growth in the church. Not the wisdom or the marketing skills or the planning of the apostles. The Holy Spirit caused the growth. The Holy Spirit also blocked the way of the apostles. Did you know that? He interfered with their plans. How dare he? He blocked their way so that they would end up some other place to do what? Share the gospel. The Holy Spirit also catapulted or compelled Paul to head to a place that would eventually be where he died. So, he could share the gospel. As you can see, the Holy Spirit is not about your kingdom or my kingdom. The Holy Spirit is about the kingdom of God. Using you and I, you and I, I I don't think we catch the, the magnitude of that statement. That it is God's plan from eternity to dwell inside those he made, to tell his story. He's the one who fuels. He's the one who sends. He's the one who powers. He's the one who does it all. And here we are trying to do things on our own. It might be time to stop doing things on our own. The Holy Spirit does not encourage a selfish way of life, but He causes us to desire to honor God, to love others, and to see Christ glorified. If you have any other purposes for the Holy Spirit in your life other than the ones God has, you might have to reevaluate And the power of the Holy Spirit drives the mission of the kingdom of God. And that's where he lives, in us. It's humbling. It's absolutely humbling to know that his plan was not just to kind of be near us, but to dwell in us. Paul does some excellent explaining and clarification for people who may or may be may conf- may or may not be confused about what it means to be the people of God. You see, there were people who thought they were God's people by last name. There were people who thought they were God's people because their family was God's people. And Paul actually does some great clarification for the people through the book of Romans. And if you've never read, I'd encourage you to do that. But in Romans chapter 2... Paul says this, For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart, listen to this, Seeks praise from God, not from people. Everything changes when the Holy Spirit shows up. Everything changes. Why we live. I lived to get praise from people. Still battle it. Still feel it. I still feel it. But when the Holy Spirit showed up, He gives us a new desire. Praise from the Father. And what would cause people to see you clearly? What in my life would take away from people seeing you clearly? God, that's all I want. Because I know what Jesus has done. I know who he is. I believe who he is. I've seen him. I've tasted and seen that you are good. And I want the world to know that same thing. Spirit led. Spirit caused us to. To yell those things out because he desires to point people to Jesus. I don't think we think about that all the time. I think we get our plans set for the day and we forget that the Holy Spirit has plans with our lives. You know that? You know he's got plans? I think we forget that he has plans. Because we have plans, don't we? We got a lot of plans. But the good news is, so does he. Paul points to the fact that the Holy Spirit fills our hearts with God's love. Beautiful picture. Like, the Holy Spirit fills our hearts with the love of God. That same always pursuing, never giving up, always-present love that we love about God, he has poured into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. Pick my brain up. We always talk about that love, don't we? We talk about it. We're like, man, it's so awesome to, to have that love and to feel that love and experience that love. Do you know he's placed it right here by his Holy Spirit? Sometimes you just got to stop and say, thank you. Listen to Paul's words in Romans chapter 8. And I know it's a lot to read it, but sometimes, you know, Paul, right before Romans 8, and this is why I get frustrated by number breaks in the scriptures. sometimes, Paul finishes Romans chapter 7 with, my goodness, like, you ever felt like you always wanted to do the right thing, but you always do the wrong thing, and then you don't want to do the wrong thing, and you end up doing the wrong thing? You ever felt that way? Man, I feel that way. That's Paul. That's my, my translation of Paul saying it. And he says, man, who will rescue me? Who will come after me? Thanks be to God. And then Romans 8.1, a verse we love to quote. But coming right out of Paul's words of the contradiction that I feel walk, that I am, I'm walking and I want to be, and I don't do it, I don't, I don't. He says this, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have, and in that body God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. I love that. That right there. You're not controlled by it. Like, when was the last time you were like, Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I am no longer controlled by my sinful nature. Like, it's not my master. That's a sin is a nasty master and it's no longer my master. It's no longer got control over me. Thank you God. I think I think that as the church we might just be a little more powerful if thanksgiving was our response to sin no longer being our master. We've seen how messed up it is, how destructive it is, all that it wants to do to us and kill in us and destroy in others. And I want to say that maybe there should be some praise breaks when we figure out that we are no longer under the control of sin. And it was God's plan. And that freedom came through Christ Jesus. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And I love Paul's words. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Jesus just goes on and on and on. But yet, for some reason, for some reason, we are so content with this idea that it's like Jesus take the wheel. Jesus is my co-pilot. Jesus is over there, somewhere. You know, it's interesting, I was listening to uh, an argument for why Michael Jordan would be a terrible basketball coach, and I loved their argument, because Michael Jordan only comes around once in a generation. And and so their, their argument was that Michael Jordan just saw things on the court that no one else would ever see. Michael Jordan could do things on the court that no one else could ever do. Now... You imagine being a player having to be coached by that. Okay? Michael Jordan would be an endless ball of frustration looking at all these players who can't do or see all that he could do or see. So in the movie Space Jam, they just stole the NBA NBA, uh, players' powers and put them inside the bodies of these little aliens, right? See... You and I, I don't understand why we're content with, I'm going to go live my life over here, and then I'm going to go back over here to see Jesus. All right, Jesus, how would you have done that? How would you have done oh, I'm going to go over here and do this again. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Oh, I screwed it up again. Hold on, coach. Come on. I'm going to, I'm going to come back over here. Uh, how would you have done that? I'm going to go back over here. No, see, this is the problem. Michael Jordan, if he could, would probably want to take over the bodies of his players so that they would live, move, breathe, see everything he does on the court. This is what we have access to in the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. This is the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in his people. He's not satisfied with being a coach on the sideline. He wants to dwell in us, with us, live with us, move us, send us out, so that the kingdom is pointed to Every moment, every word, everything I do becomes an opportunity for salt and light. What comes to your mind when you think of being spirit-led? Is this picture right here with Jesus' hand on your shoulder? Is that what comes to mind when you think of spirit-led? Like, it's cool, Jesus and your best friends, you're right beside me. Maybe? What about this one? The 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 hand in the air? I love Google. I love the ridiculous images that you can come in contact with because, is this it? I'm spirit-led. I'm walking around like, because that's not weird at all. Like, walk around. Actually, you know what? Never mind. We live in Asheville. That's not weird at all. Pretty normal. What about this one? Good you, bad you. Like, is that your picture of what it means to be spirit-led? It's like a devil you and an angel you standing on either side somehow. Don't do that. Oh, you should do this. Who wins out? You remember that scene from The Matrix where Neo gets that phone randomly, like, and then he's, he answers it, and Morpheus is like, hello? And he's like, what's going on? And he's like, I'm going to lead you out of this office. And he has to do everything exactly when Morpheus says to. And, and then he leads him to a window, and the window is like on the side of this building, and it's so funny, because after he hangs up the phone, you know, his, his word is, what did I do to deserve this? What did I do? Oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die! And is that what being spirit-led looks like to you? Like, you're just afraid that God's just going to throw you out of a window, because who knows? You're spirit-led, right? The beauty of being spirit-led, and this is one of the things that we can agree on, is that as the Spirit leads us, we know what fruit the Spirit produces. And the Spirit produces in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. See, He may not gift us all the same, but the fruit, it is. And you know the fruit becomes more questionable than the gifts. Do you know that? Do you know that we live in a world that doesn't display love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control? Do you know that? I mean, or am I the only one seeing that on Facebook? I think I, I might be the only one. But the beauty of the Holy Spirit leading us is that He is shaping us not just giving us a list of things to do. He's actually forming himself in his people. That's good news. That is great news. The Holy Spirit reveals God's truth. He lets us in on God's thoughts. He supplies the gifts we need to build his church. He identifies us as God's children. He causes us to call out to God. He's our guide in all of life. He unites us to the church. And here's a problem I do see. And I want to clarify. Being spiritually minded is not the same thing as spirit minded. Being spiritually led versus being spirit led. We live in a city that likes to have spiritual conversations. And you may find yourself continually in that. Great. But a spirit led individual Loves the church. Loves being connected to the body of Christ. We know we need it because God made us for it. So you may use the I'm a spiritual person conversation to justify you being detached from the church, but please, please, please do not be led to believe that that's okay. Because the Spirit of God Living in us unites us to his bride. So, whether you are saying I'm spiritually led or spirit led, you must clarify. Because the spirit leads us to be united to his bride. The spirit renews our thoughts and attitudes, he supplies the love we need for each other. Do you know that you don't have it in you to love your brother or sister in Christ on your own? You ever felt that? I'm trying to love this person on my own, and I just cannot get it. I cannot work it up. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit has filled our hearts with His love. He makes us holy, and He is proof we live in God and that He lives in us. So for you and I, as people who are led by the Spirit, we have to understand His role, and His role is to glorify God. Because that's his desire, it actually becomes our desire. He actually causes us to want to bring glory to God in all of our life. No longer are we going to be content with asking the question, how close to sin can I stand without it being really bad sin? Like, that's what we do, right? As a church, we're so good with asking that question. How close to it can I be? Well, it's not really, we justify everything, don't we? We do. We just sit, we sit there and go, oh, how close to the line can I get and not actually be? Si-? Spirit-led? Spirit-led question is, God, how do I honor you in all things? You ask that question, I guarantee you he'll give you an answer. The question for those led by his Spirit is, God, how do I honor you with everything I have? He'll answer that question. You know, I think um, in this world, you know, we talk about listening to the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, the Holy Spirit speaks when we get still and quiet. Is it any wonder we don't get still and quiet? For me, running is when I spend most of my time praying and memorizing Scripture. So if you see me running through Asheville, it's either praying, quoting Scripture, or complaining about running. That's what I'm going to be doing. If you see me moving my mouth, that's what's going to be happening. But oftentimes, it's in those moments when all I hear is the pace of my breathing, my feet on the ground, the whir of cars driving by, whatever it is, it's in those moments that I sense that God is able to point out to me the areas of my life where I'm not loving Him with everything I have. You know, one of the beautiful things about that is, is oftentimes the way He leads us is just simply reminding us of who He is and what He's done. And that takes our hearts and shapes them and aims them back at Him. Loving God, loving His Word, and loving others. Bruce Demarest said it this way, A quieted heart is our best preparation for all this work of God. His Word, His nature, His abilities, His works. The Holy Spirit activates the life-giving Word of God. You know, it's interesting. As a Spirit-led person, as someone who's trying to understand how this salt and light thing really works, because I do. I, it's tough. I could, I'm like, is that too much? Is it too little? Am, am, I, am I moving too quick? Am I moving too slow? Lord, I need your pace. And right when I had come to really just understanding what faith in Christ looked like, I was just before my junior year in high school, and I read this verse, 1 Peter 3.15. And you can see it there. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Now, I was walking into my high school, and I had just prayed this prayer that morning because I was learning to do the quiet time thing, the devotions, and, my, you know, whatever you call it, and sitting and reading and praying, and I came across this verse. I'd never read that verse before, and I was like, that's incredible. So I was like, Lord, let that happen. Let... Let somebody ask me about the hope that I have in me, because that's, you know, that's awesome. I kid you not, I got out of my car, I was walking into my high school. The kid that I'd known before Christ and, 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 and part of my life and all that, and he says, dude, you're acting really strange. What's going on? I said nothing and walked right by him. I got so scared in that moment to actually say anything. And I know some of you are like, well, the Lord says you deny him before man, he'll deny you before his father. Some of you will run right to that. You'll run right to the works-based thing and you'll feel better about yourself. Well, I've never, well, look, I've done it before and I'm probably gonna do it again. The moment that I walked by that kid, I understood how serious the Holy Spirit is about His name, Jesus' name, being told to people. I understood in that moment not a sense of shame or guilt. I was afraid and I was scared, yes. But in that moment, I understood how serious the Holy Spirit takes the mission of the kingdom being advanced. Because He answered my prayer like that. You know... Nate, you and the band can come. This mission that we have been included into, this My Questionable Life series, really isn't about me. Because the Holy Spirit is using us to point people to Christ. This is not just for a select group of believers, a special group who might be a pastor, who might be in ministry, who might go overseas and suffer eating bugs and doing all the things that we think that the Holy Spirit will call us to do because everything is miserable, right? When you answer God's call, everything is miserable and hard and difficult, right? And that, No, I guess you guys never thought that. I always thought that. I always thought that if the Lord was going to call me, then everything had to be terrible, Some of you aren't laughing because you think that still. (laughs) But the power of salt and light, the gospel in us, causes you and I, and I was just writing these phrases down, godly lives, adventurous lives, joy-filled, questionable, all of these things were meant to be lived out among people who do not know Him. This is what we were made for. You know, our desire is that those li- that living water truly would flow from within, so that others might taste and see that He is good. Charles Spurgeon told a story of a man who um, who installed a fountain on a very busy road, and uh, on this fountain it was very basic. Chained to it was a tin cup. And it was there for many years, and apparently an art critic, who was basically on this path of critiquing everybody's work, criticized this man's fountain. And word got back to this man that his fountain had been criticized, and the man said, simply in response to the criticism, was, have people drunk from that cup? Have people gotten water from that cup? And without a doubt, the response was thousands of people have stopped by that cup, grabbed a drink, and headed into town. And this man's response at the criticism was, well, hopefully that critic will find himself hot from the sun, and he will have his thirst quenched from that fountain. As those who live in Christ, our desire is that those that we walk with, do life with, come in contact with, is that they too would have that thirst and that heart longing met by Jesus himself. Spirit-led isn't about this extreme life on the edge. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And that's what he forms in us. And that causes all sorts of questions. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us, and I ask that as we, your people, probably have all sorts of views on what it means to be led by your Spirit, I just, can we just say thank you for your Spirit? (laughs) Can we just say thank you as a people that we don't have to do this life alone, and that you made us for yourself, and that you wanted to come so close, not just next to us, but dwell in us? You weren't content with just staying in a tent in the Old Testament journeying with people in a box. You weren't even just content being Jesus among us, but you wanted to be Holy Spirit within us. And I know, know that I know that I know that that's your plan. So help my heart rejoice at it. Help our hearts rejoice at your plan.